Amen. Thank you for that, kids. You dismissed the children's church. Appreciate that. It's always wonderful. These kids are learning these songs and learning Bible verses and learning things that they will remember for the rest of their lives. And I tell you, if you don't think this world is after our children, you're not paying attention. I just go ahead and tell you. Uh, and I think, uh, especially as uh, the youth pastor, I think you should have the kids and the teens in church as often as you can. But I'm just telling you, uh, two or three hours a week's not enough. If you're not raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord in your home, you're going to have heartache. That's all there is to it. Uh, so I want to encourage you. I know it's not getting any easier. I got kids myself. I know it gets harder and harder, but I want to encourage you. Uh, as a parent, as a grandparent, as someone who has impact on children, uh, do your best to be an example of the believer, right? And the word and conversation and doctrine and all these things uh, so that we can show them what it is to be a Christian. Uh, we're going to start in Romans chapter 8. I'll let you go ahead and start turning there. Uh, I will forewarn you, we're going to do a lot of turning. So if you're one of those people who... Uh, don't like turning, you turn slow, just have to get your pen and paper out, write the verses down, you can go back and look at them later if you want to look at them. Uh, as we go through them, you have to listen. Uh, we're going to do a lot of turning, but I do want to pray uh, before we get started. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for all that you've given us, all that you've done for us. I pray uh, that you will bless our church. I pray that you will bless our children. I pray that you will bless our pastor and his family, Lord, and I pray that you'll be with them. I pray you'll be with us. Uh, in this room as we open your word. I pray that we'll uh, be open to your spirit. I pray that we will be able to take something that we can use in our lives, and I pray that we will grow in your grace every day, and I pray you'll be with me, fill me with your spirit, and give me boldness and wisdom as I speak. Lord, help me to speak where I need to speak and be silent where I need to be silent, Lord, and just bless us. Uh, thank you for all that you do. Give us the wisdom to know what's right and the strength to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to start here in just a second. The uh, title of my message this morning is uh, Life Cycle of a Christian. Okay, now we homeschool, so we uh, always try to add some history and some science and things when we're doing stuff throughout the day. Uh, and one of the things that we have at our house is a leopard gecko. How many of you know what a leopard gecko is? It's a lizard. Uh, it gets probably eight or nine, ten inches long. Uh, it's what Alyssa wanted one time for her birthday, so she got a leopard gecko. Uh, and the leopard gecko eats bugs, okay? And one of the bugs that we feed our leopard gecko is mealworms. Anybody know what mealworms are? All right, now, uh, we have kind of, I've tried to set up, our own little mealworm farm because I got sick and tired of ordering mealworms on the internet, okay, and having them delivered. So uh, mealworms have a life cycle, okay? They start off as eggs, and then they hatch into little worms, which is what we think of when we think mealworms. Uh, and when they first hatch, they're almost invisible to the human eye. I mean, they are so small, and then they grow uh, and they get probably an inch, maybe inch and a half long. And then they pupate. They turn into a pupa. All right. And you think kind of like a butterfly with a cocoon, but not quite because that little pupa will actually move. If you pick it up, it'll. And so it turns into a pupa. And then that pupa turns into a 
darkling beetle. That's what it grows into a beetle. And then when it becomes beetles, you got to separate the beetles because the beetles will eat the mealworms and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so it is a little bit, some of y'all are saying I'd get rid of the lizard. I, I know. Uh, it's amazing what we do to make our, make our babies happy, right? So, uh, and of course, daddy's the only one who will who will touch the beetles, right? So daddy's the one who has to take care of the mealworms. Uh, and that's all right. I don't mind, but it is what it is. So, uh, but there's a life cycle. We know in other, you know, we think caterpillars to butterflies. We understand other things. Uh, there's life cycles. And when you talk about the life cycle of these things, uh, each step in the life cycle, it becomes different, right? You don't take a caterpillar and a butterfly and say, oh, I see resemblance, right? You see, oh, I mean, yeah, I could see, no, a caterpillar looks different than a butterfly. Uh, that little mealworm looks a whole lot different than a beetle when it turns into a beetle after it goes through the conversion from mealworm to pupa to beetle. So we're talking about lifestyle or life cycles of a Christian. So as we get into it, and we talk about the different things and aspects of the lifestyle of a Christian. I want you to understand as we grow, as we hit the different life cycles, we should change. We should be different, just like the life cycles of the insect. And I want to get ahead of myself as we talk about these things. But my three points, if you take notes, uh, Pastor Joe would appreciate this, is adopted, adapted, and adept. I didn't just have the first letters. The first two letters are the same, right? Pastor Joe would appreciate that. Uh, so the first step we're talking about, the first step in the life cycle of a Christian is being adopted. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. He says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, we cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba is a familiar term. It's like daddy, okay? Uh, most kids don't call their dad, hello, father. I hope you slept well last night, right? Must say, hey, dad, daddy. That's what this Abba is, that familiar term for father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ is so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. Uh, and this is not part of my lesson yet, but or my message. But the, when we talk about joint heirs, that means you receive the same inheritance that Christ receives. All right. Some of you would love to be adopted by the Trump family and be joint heirs with Donald Trump's kids, right? I'd love to get a third of what he or how many kids he's got for. I'd love to get a portion of that money, right? That's what we think. Or some rich person. I'd love to get a portion of what they have. But the Bible says we are joint heirs with Christ because we have been adopted into his family. Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Galatians 4, 1 through 7 says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. But as under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption 
of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We are adopted into the family of Christ. This whole thing that, oh, well, we're all just children of God. That's not true. Matter of fact, Jesus made that very clear uh, when he was talking to the Pharisees. He said, ye are of your father who? The devil. Listen, I, that's, that's pretty rough. That's, you know, that, that's, that's, not, that's not something I'd want somebody saying about me. But Jesus made it very clear that we are not all just born children of God. We are adopted into the family of God. How? Through Christ, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, every one of us. Okay? When I was growing up as a child, I looked at the pastor and I thought, the pastor is perfect. The pastor makes all the right decisions. The pastor always says the right things. The pastor always does the right things. You know what happened as I got older? I found out that's not true. I love my pastor. I respect my pastor as much as I respect any man in this world. But I promise you, none of us are perfect. You think of the most holy, spiritual person you've ever met in your life. They're not perfect. None of us are because we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, for there is none righteous. No, not one. We've all done things we shouldn't do. We've all sinned before God. Matter of fact, in the book of Isaiah, it says, when you stand before God, your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. There is no, the best we have to offer is nothing to God. The best we have to offer is filthy rags. I'll just go ahead and tell you. How many of you have ever been to a third world country? I mean, like, I'm not talking about Jamaica and you went and stayed at the at the at the the inn resort there. I'm talking about you went to a third world country. In 2013 I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip uh, with our Spanish ministry uh, that we had in Valdosta and I was about the only one in the group that didn't speak Spanish. So that was always fun. Uh, everybody just assumed I did. They talked to me I said no 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 más despacio no comprendo right I knew enough to say you need to speak slower I don't know you need to slow down I can't understand what you're saying right uh, and the little kids would come up and talk to you uh, but when I went there it was third world, third world. I'm talking no indoor plumbing. I mean, they had toilets in the, in the huts, and then you could see the pipes leading out of the huts down into the creek, right? And that ran into the Amazon River, okay? Um, if you've ever thought, which I, I, listen, I've been to the Amazon River. I've been in a canoe uh, going across the Amazon River. I've had to take a, a little bucket and, and, and do like this, out the canoe, because I thought we was going to sink. And he, he said, yeah, you, you need to do that while we're going across. Um, and in my mind, the Amazon River was, oh, man, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. And part of it was, but you realize all that stuff just runs into the Amazon, uh, and they bathe in the Amazon. Uh, and there were times... Uh, the whole family would have one toothbrush and they would all just share the toothbrush to get their teeth brushed. And listen, when I, when I go there, when I went there, we would, we'd have little matchbox cars and little box and those kids to get, just get those things was an amazing thing. And you know what? There wasn't, I didn't walk into those, I didn't walk into that village and see anything that I thought, man, that's what I want. I, I, I need one of those. That's what I, there was nothing they had that I wanted as an American. And I'm not even a rich American. I'm not anywhere near the 1%, okay? I'm nowhere near, but they didn't have nothing I wanted. That's how God looks at us. We don't have nothing he wants. 
We think, we think we're something. We think we're, we'd have got nothing to make God's life better. We have nothing to offer God. And yet he still sent his son to die on his cross to pay for our sins. Why? Because he had to. God could have been a just God. He could have stayed up in heaven, allowed everyone to go to hell. He still would have been a just and holy God. But because he is a loving God, he sent his son down to die on the cross and pay for our sins. Praise the Lord. Because that's the only way I get adopted into the family of God is through Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You cannot work your way to heaven. You are not going to stand there and talk your way and smooth talk your way into heaven. Well, you know, I was a good person. I was a good mother. I was a good father. I was a good. No, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags to God. And he sent his son to die on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could spend eternity in heaven with him. And that's the only way to get there. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He didn't add nothing to it. He didn't take nothing away. He didn't say you had to attend a Baptist church. He didn't say you had to get baptized uh, in, at a certain under the certain water. He didn't say you had to uh, get Get your house clean, even though cleanliness is next to godliness, I know, right? He didn't say you had to have a clean house, praise the Lord. I got kids, and I got kids' friends who come over to the house, and guess what? They don't leave a clean house. i just go ahead and tell you. It happens. I'm glad, I'm glad the Lord's not going to show up and say, well, I was going to bring you to heaven, but your house is a mess. You're not going. We'd be in trouble, right? Amen. 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 That, listen, we can't do anything to God or for God. But he came and he gave his son to die on the cross so that you and I could receive the adoption and be joint heirs with Christ. So I'll go ahead and tell you, as we get into these things, we talk about the life cycle of a Christian. The first thing that has to be done is you need to be adopted into the family of God. And the only way that happens is through Christ. So if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you say, I don't really understand what you're talking about to be adopted into the family of God. I don't know for a fact. If I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Listen, there's not a doubt in my mind. If a meteor fell on this place and I died, I know where I'd go. I don't worry about it. I don't question it. It don't keep me up at night. Why? Not because I'm a good person. Not because I'm a, 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 on staff at a church. But because I've accepted Christ as my Savior. And there's nothing between my soul and the Savior, right? It's because I know through the word of God and through his Holy Spirit that I've accepted Christ as my Savior. John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, John 1, 10 through 13, says he was in the world, talking about Christ, and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Accepting Christ is the only way to be adopted into the family of God. And once we are adopted, we should become adapted. When we talk about adapted, the definition of that word is to make something suitable for a new use, right? I got some friends who are in the military and the Marines, right? Improvise, adapt, and overcome. That's what they, when you take something, uh, and some, some of you uh, who uh, maybe have grown up without any money, you understand what it is to adapt. You got something on your tractor that don't work. 
And you can't find the part, you, can't, you, you, you find something to make it work, right? It might not be what it was designed for, might not be what its original use was, but you're going to adapt something to make that work. It's what we do in life, and it's what God has done for us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 uh, says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now imagine this, ladies. Imagine if somebody came to you and said, listen, here's the deal. We are going to give you all new wardrobe. We're going to clean your closet out, get rid of all of it, and we're going to buy you anything and everything you want. But here's the deal. You got to get rid of everything. Now, I'm going to tell you, there might be some of you ladies who say, well, I don't know if I want to get. I was going to tell you, my wife would be like, get rid of it all. Let's go. We're going shopping. Right? Yeah, I don't need none of that old stuff. You're going to buy me new stuff? If I got something I really want, I'll just buy a new one. Exactly like, right? I just, I'll get all new stuff. I'll get rid of all of it. Right? Guys, if somebody said, I'm going to buy you a brand new truck, whatever truck you want, the only deal is you got to get rid of your old truck. Okay, deal. I don't care how long I've been driving. Listen, some of y'all, some of y'all, oh, I can't get rid of Big Red. Y'all don't name your truck. Okay, whatever y'all, listen, I know. I had friends like that. I get it. I get it. You know, it's all has something to do with the color. Big blue, big red, whatever it is. There it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, party mobile, whatever it is. Some of y'all might not want to get rid of it, but I'll go ahead and tell you. Uh, some of y'all have noticed that brown blazer with the tape on the windows. Been like that for a couple years. I bought that vehicle before Chloe was born because I needed a vehicle to ride Chloe around. I had that car 13 years. If somebody said, give up the blazer and we'll buy you a new truck, I would, I'd be pulling my keys out. You could take it, get me a new vehicle. Why? Because it's going to be better. Listen, what God offers is better than anything this old world has to offer. And he says, all them things, they're gone. Get rid of them. Why? All things are become new. Our lifestyle should change. Our use should change. Where we go should change. The way we speak should change. The people we, uh, we, we feel comfortable around should change. The places we feel comfortable going should change. Why? Because I've been adopted into the family of God and now he has adapted me for a new use. I'm not living for myself. I'm not living to make myself happy. I'm not living for this world. I'm living for eternity. Right? He said, don't worry about the things here. Put your treasures where? In heaven. Put your, build ye up treasures in heaven. Our life should change. And not because we're trying to earn God's love. Not because we're trying to earn salvation. We just talked about you can't work your way to heaven. By grace are you saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. God knows if you could work your way to heaven, this is what would happen. We'd get there, God would judge us and say, well, you know, you were a, you were a pastor and you were a good daddy and you were a good this. So I'm going to let you into heaven because you did all these good things. And I'd, we'd walk around. Hey, what did you do to get in heaven? Oh, he, really? He let you in still? Man, I don't know if I would let you in. Right? That's what we would do. And what was the original sin up in heaven? Pride. God's not interested in pride up in heaven. Why? So we don't work. We don't show up to church. We don't read our Bible. We don't invite people to church. We don't encourage others. We don't do these things because we want to earn God's love. We do these things because we have God's love. Because he's called us to a new use. 
Listen, I don't call my mom and dad uh, and talk to them because, well, if I don't call them and talk to them, they won't love me. They'll write me out of the will. No, I call my mom and dad because I love my mom and dad. Right? I, I try to call my brother once a week, try to talk to him, encourage him. You know, I don't call him because, you know, he's got some money and maybe I want to get that some of that someday. No. It's because it's it's we love each other. We want to encourage each other. We want to lift each other up. And because we love God and we are supposed to love one another, we should live a certain way and talk a certain way and behave a certain way because we have a new use. Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16, 24 through 27. Matthew 16, 24 through 27 says this. It says, then said Jesus unto his disciples. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of the Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Jesus said, if you own the whole world, can you imagine? Every car in that parking lot is yours. You just let people drive them. Every house in Rinkin is yours. You just let people live in them. Every piece of property, the whole United States of America belongs to you. Well, if that was true, I'd tell you you need to do something fix. There's some problems you need to fix, but I'm just saying, let's imagine everything belongs to you. You just let people live in houses and you let people drive cars and you let people run your businesses for you. Every business belongs to you. Every penny in the bank belongs to you. You just let people use it. Now, not only in America, but the entire world, everything belongs to you. You get to make all the decisions about the world. You got all the power in the world. Anything in this world you want, you can have because it all belongs to you. Jesus said, if you had that power, It's still not as good as having eternity. Even if you had all that money, it's still not as valuable as your eternal soul. If you own the entirety of the world, it's still not as good as what God's going to give you in heaven. You understand that? You understand that if you own the entirety of the world, God said you've not profited if you had to give up eternity for that. The most valuable thing In this world is your eternal soul. What are we doing with it? What are we doing for eternity? We get so distracted (coughs) by the American dream. And listen, I'm thankful for the American dream. You only hear that about America, right? You don't ever hear about the Chinese dream. You don't hear about the European dream, Canadian dream. It's only the American dream. I'm thankful for our country. But I want you to understand the American dream ain't got nothing on eternity. We got to make sure we don't get so distracted chasing the American dream that we forget about our heavenly desires, right? We forget about what God has given us in eternity. Now, God blesses us, and I don't think it's wrong to have money. Some of the most wealthy people in the Bible were spiritual, godly people. So I'm not telling you having money is wrong, but I'm telling you the love of money is the root of all evil. And if you spend all your time chasing money and no time chasing God, you're messed up. You understand that? If you spend all your time chasing money and no time chasing God, you're going to get twisted. 
It's going to cause problems in your life. Now, listen, I understand the Bible says uh, that we should plan for the future. No man goes to build a house without making sure he has the money to finish it. Right. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a retirement account. I've got a retirement account. Okay. I'm not saying you shouldn't be smart with your finances. I'm just telling you, you can see where somebody's heart is by where they spend their money and where they spend their time. Listen, you can tell me all you want. I love my wife. But she ain't allowed to spend a penny unless I say it's okay. And I'll, I'll spend extra time with her. I have left over time after I go to work and see my buddies and go golfing and go fishing and go hunt. Then maybe I'll give my wife my leftovers. But I love my wife. Let me go ahead and tell you, that's not the way it works. If you love somebody, you don't give them your leftovers. You give them you let them go first. You understand that? Listen, uh, back, back in the day, my, my papa, I told you I'm close to my papa. Uh, we went and visited a couple weeks ago, and I had him sit around, and I, had him, I thought my kids would find it funny. I, had, I was asking him questions about how we grew up, uh, and he was talking about having an outhouse and how excited they were when they finally got indoor plumbing and uh, how excited they were when they finally got electricity. And I could see Chloe going, these people are old, right? I mean, I just, I hear, yeah, that's what Chloe's thinking. But I remember my papa telling me when he was growing up, uh, his mama would cut the heart out of the watermelon and give it to the kids and she'd chew on the part close to the rind. And whenever he'd ask her about it, she'd say, oh, that's my favorite part close to the rind. Now, as an adult, he figured out that wasn't her favorite part. She just made sure her kids got first. You understand that? When you love somebody, they come first. We got people talk about how much they love God. All God gets is their leftovers. We come to church. I show up to church. I was there for a whole hour this week, God. I haven't done the math. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a lot more than one hour. Okay. I don't know. what. I'm not doing the math off the top of my head. I'll embarrass myself. But I'm telling you, you got a lot of hours in a week and you give God one of them. He's not impressed. Give your wife one hour a week. See how much she likes it. Well, I gave you, I gave you your one hour. What, what more do you want from me, woman? Yeah. See how that goes. Give your husband one hour a week. Well, I gave you one hour of attention this week, babe. Do you really need more attention? Why are you so needy? Do that with your husband. That, listen, that's not good. You're, listen, if that's what you're doing, we need to set up some time. We'll have some marriage counseling later, okay? Your, your spouse needs more time than an hour a week. If you're going to build a relationship and you're going to have a strong relationship and you're going to grow in your love for one another, you've got to spend your time and money on that person. And guess what? You can't give God your leftovers and be used by him. You can't grow and give God your leftovers, which is our last point. We talked about being adopted, being adapted because we have a different use. And the last word is being adept. That word adept means someone who is skilled or proficient. Someone who is skilled or proficient. We should be constantly becoming better and better Christians. Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three, 17 and 18. <clears throat> says, ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also being led away with error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow 
in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Bible says we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Listen, uh, if I talk to somebody and they are my age, I'll be 38 in September, and they still talk like a three-year-old, I'm probably going to assume this person has some deficits. I'm going to try to be kind with them. But I'm going to assume there's a problem if you're an adult and you still speak like a child. We understand that. But so many Christians, they get saved and they never grow. They never become any more spiritual than they are the day that they are saved. The Bible has given us things we should have in our lives. The fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These things should be in our lives. And there are people who are Christians. They've been saved uh, as long as I've been alive. And yet, they still don't have the fruits of the Spirit. Why? Because they still can't control their anger. The Bible talks about love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Well, you don't understand, brother. That's just the way I am. It's that Irish blood. I'm, I'm, I just have a hard time controlling my temper. It's just the way I am. You have ladies who can't control their tongue. All they do is gossip. Well, you know, that's just, I just like to be informed. It's just the way I am. They got some people, they're always unkind. Well, you know, I just speak my mind. That's just the way I am. Let me go ahead and tell you something. When you got saved... You are no longer allowed to be just the way you are. You are to be just the way God's called you to be. You understand that? This is not rocket science. God has said all things passed away. All things become new. You don't get to be just the way you've always been. That's not an excuse for spiritual immaturity. It's not an excuse for sin. Because let me go ahead and tell you. Being meanness and losing control is sin because God's called us to be kind. Gossip is still sin. When you are constantly giving somebody a piece of your mind because you can't control your tongue, that's sin. We've, we've, We've gotten saved, but we've not grown. We're not any better Christians today than we were last year or the year before or the year before. How many educators or ex-educators do we have in here? All right. Perfect. Now, if you had a child come to you in fifth grade and they still don't know what two plus two is, you'd you'd be like, wait a minute. We we should have learned this a long time ago. Why? Because we're supposed to be building on what we've already learned educationally. We understand that educationally. if, if, If a child is not progressing as they get older, There's an issue. We need to find the problem so that we can make adjustments to their education so that we can figure out how to help them grow educationally. Let me go ahead and tell you, we are to grow spiritually. And if you're sitting here today and you don't have any more of the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance of God than you did five years ago, it's time to do a self-examination. Like we read in that verse. David said, search me, O God. Show me if there be any wicked way in me. It's time to humble ourselves and admit, hey, I've not gotten any better than I have been five years ago. 
I'm not any better at loving than I was five years ago or when I got saved, however long you've been saved. I'm not any better at forgiveness. I still hold bitterness towards people, even though God's called us to release bitterness. I still can't forgive people. I still can't control myself. I still can't. Listen, we've got to learn to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray all the time, and I've said this, I pray, Lord, make me a better daddy. Make me a better husband. Make me a better Bible teacher. Make me a better youth pastor. Make me a... Why? Because we should all be growing. Listen, I've been in youth ministry now, 16, going on 17 years. I shouldn't, I should be able to know some things that somebody who just graduated college don't know. Why? Because I've had some experiences, right? I should be a little different today than I was when I first got out of college. All right, if you work a job, you should be a little better at your job than you were the first day you started. We all understand that. But we as Christians, we continue to allow ourselves to just be the same old poor Christian that we've always been. And we never allow ourselves to grow in grace. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. I won't turn there, but you can write these verses down. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. The writer is chastising them because they've not grown in their Christianity. He says, uh, this is the paraphrase, he says, y'all are at the points where you should be teaching others, but you still need to be taught. This is what he's telling these people. You've not grown in your knowledge. You've not grown in grace. You, You should be old enough to be teaching people and you still need to be taught. Listen, if you're a Christian, okay, uh, which I'm going to assume most everybody in this room is a Christian. And if you've been saved longer than six months, which I'm going to assume everybody in here who's a Christian has probably been saved longer than six months, I should be able to hand you a Bible and say, this is so-and-so, they want to know how to get saved. Take this Bible, take this person, and show them how to get saved. If, if you've been in church all your life and that makes you uncomfortable, it's, it's time to start studying the word, people. This is basics. This is, listen, Chloe Yates led a child to the Lord, 10 years old. If a 10-year-old is more comfortable taking the word and leading somebody to the Lord than you are and you've been saved longer than I've been alive, there's a problem. I, I don't know any other way to say it. What are we doing? Are we growing? Are we becoming any better than we were 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago? Are we becoming more and more adept so that God can use us? Or is God looking down and say, hey, I sure would like to use that person, but they still need to be taught. They've not grown to a point where I can use them. That is an issue. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I will read this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. I'll I'll get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. One through three says this. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. He said, I wanted to come speak to you about spiritual matters, but I couldn't because you're not spiritual. He said, You're acting like babies in Christ, people who have just been saved and don't know enough. I have fed you with milk. I've had to give you the basics and not with meat. I haven't been able to give you the good stuff. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. And this is the 
evidence that he shows of their carnality. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? You know the evidence that he says? You know how I could tell there wasn't enough spirituality among you? Because y'all couldn't even get along. Y'all couldn't even talk to each other without having problems and division and strife. Listen, over and over and over, there was one Wednesday night, all I did was read verse after verse after verse on the unity of the church and how we're supposed to encourage one another and love one another. We're to treat each other like brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, I've got a brother. Me and my brother don't agree on everything. Matter of fact, there's a lot we disagree on. I'm in the ministry. He's in the ministry. His ministry looks a lot different than my ministry does. He jokes around. I joked around. I said, well, hey, maybe I need to come down there and work with you. He says, no, nah, you wouldn't, mm, that wouldn't work. Why? Because he knows I wouldn't be able to deal with the way he does things. There's some things we disagree on. Matter of fact, there's probably some doctrine that we disagree on. It would not work for me and him to work at the same church. There's too many things we disagree on. But let me go ahead and tell you, I still call my brother once a week at least. Why? Because I love my brother. And I pray, Lord, if I'm wrong, show me. And if he's wrong, show him. Listen, why? Because he's my brother. What am I going to do? Kick him out of my life because we disagree on some stuff? What am I going to do? Never talk to him again because he don't do church the same way I do church? They have a different kind of music than we have. And the preacher don't wear a suit and tie when he's in. So I'm going to not never talk to my brother again. I'm going to talk bad about him. I'm going to go on Facebook and talk bad about my brother. No, that'll make no sense. And we understand that when it comes to blood family. But we're to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me go ahead and tell you, the church down the street's not my enemy. If they're preaching salvation through Christ and Christ alone, okay, I'm not going to be mad at them. We might do church different. There might be some things we disagree on. But if they're preaching, thus saith the Lord, I'm not going to be mad at them. I'm not going to... See, see, him, see him at Walmart and go the other way because, you know, that sorry joker, you know, they got drums on their stage and God, bless God, they can't, he, he's not saved. That's, that's not how we do things. Why? Because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And as you mature, you should be better at dealing with these things. My children aren't as good at dealing with problems as I am. Why? They're children. I am an adult. Listen, um, all of you may have perfect children, but there are times my children fuss. Okay? It happens. They fuss with one another. And I'm like, what are y'all? And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, that, what are y'all even fuss? That is so stupid. Why are you fussing about that? Why? Because their maturity level is different than mine is. I wouldn't fuss about that because it doesn't make sense to fuss about that. We don't, we're not fussing over these things. It, it, yeah, they're acting their age. We, we expect children to act like children. I'm not shocked when my children act like The problem is, is when we have grown adults in church who've been saved for a long time acting like children. That's a problem. And we have to make sure that we, first of all, have accepted Christ as our Savior. First of all, you have to make sure you're adopted into the family of God. You were not born a Christian. You did not do enough good things to become a Christian. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. 
Then once we're saved, if you're here and you say, I'm a Christian, I've been saved, I've got that good. It's time for us to be adapted because old things are passed away and all things become new. We're to have a new use. We're no longer serving the flesh, we're serving the spirit. We're no longer serving what's temporal on earth, we're serving what's eternal in heaven. And once you've uh, allowed yourself to be adapted in order to be newly used by Christ so that he can use us more, we need to learn to be adept. We need to read our Bible. We need to learn to pray. It's amazing to me. And I'm not trying to shame anybody, but I'm telling you, there are people sitting in this church. They haven't prayed all week unless a plate of food was sitting in front of them. I'm just telling you. Well, I prayed this week. I I blessed breakfast and I blessed lunch and I blessed. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when did you get alone with God and talk to God? There are parents. They'll go week after week after week and never pray for their children. Listen, I've been guilty of it. You hit Friday and you realize not once have you called your child's name out in prayer. Lord, protect my child. This world wants them. Bless my child. Give me wisdom as I try to be a father to my child. Give me strength to do what's right because sometimes I know what's right, but it's not easy to do what's right. There's people who have grandchildren. You've went all week and not prayed once for your grandchildren. I'm not I'm not saying everybody here needs to be a preacher and I'm not trying to get I'm talking about basics that we're not doing. We need to be growing in his grace. We need to be a better Christian next year than we are this year. We need to be better at forgiving next year than we are this year. We need to be better about controlling our tongues next year than we are this year. We need to be better about controlling our minds next year. Than we did this year. We should be constantly growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day and I thank you for all that you've given us. I thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. I thank you for sending your son down to down the cross. To pay for my sins so that I can know for sure I'm going to heaven, not because I've done anything, but only because of what Christ did on the cross and his death and burial and resurrection. I Thank you that at salvation, old things become passed away, all things become new. I thank you 